0: Hello and welcome to episode number 249 which is a rebroadcast of an episode that I did on my other program Power Folk last week and uh, it's special enough that I decided the people who regularly listen to Mostly Folk might have missed it. So here it is uh, in its entirety Uh, with a couple of changes here and there. But uh, in case you're wondering about the difference in the music, that's the reason. I'd like to welcome you to this episode, which is going to be a special episode, simply because I'll be speaking with and will be listening to the music of Jude Johnstone. And Jude has a brand new album that's soon to be released. Uh, It may have been released on January 1st. I'm not really positive. Jude didn't know herself when I spoke to her, but the name of the album is A Woman's Work, and it's Jude's seventh album. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Jude before we play a song, and uh, this is straight from Wikipedia, so it's nothing that I possess or information that's strictly owned by me. And I quote, Jude Johnstone is an American singer-songwriter, and by the way, Jude is from Maine. Her songs have been covered by Laura Branigan, Trisha Yearwood, Emmy Lou Harris, Bonnie Raitt, Bette Midler, Johnny Cash, Stevie Nicks, and others. Jude wrote the number one song, The Woman Before Me, on Trisha Yearwood's debut CD, which also won an award from Broadcast Music Incorporated. In 1997, Johnny Cash won the Country Album of the Year Grammy for American 2 Unchained, for which Johnstone wrote the title track. Bonnie Raitt said, Jude is one of my favorite singers and songwriters. Her fertility in regards to songwriting is truly awe-inspiring. So let's start it off with a song that helped Johnny Cash when a Grammy. Here's Drew Johnstone with Unchained. I'm Artie Martello and welcome to Mostly Folk.
1: I have been ungrateful. I have been unwise. Restless from the cradle. But now I realize
0: Jude Johnstone with Unchained. Now, a short time ago, I spoke with Jude, and although I've spoken with her a number of times before, I thought I'd start off the interview by having Jude tell you the story of how she got into the business as a young singer-songwriter. Before you talk
2: about the album, tell the story... About how you first came in contact with Clarence Clemens and what developed from that point on. You
3: no, know, whatever career I have developed from meeting Clarence Clemens on an airplane and sending him my songs, and uh, you know, I, I, I met him on a plane and, and uh, talked to him, and, and he said, "Here's my desk, Send me a tape." As it was called in those days. So I did. I went to some little studio that I'd never been in any kind of studio, and it was a real, you know, back in the old days, you know, there weren't even, this was Bangor, Maine, you know. So Mm -hmm. I, I had to play, and I had nothing but ballads at that time. I mean, I'd never written any other kind of song, certainly not jazz or big band or anything that I've done since. But I was only 18 years old, so. I only went to the piano when I was sad, and that's what came out. So I sent him about 10 sort of tear-jerking ballads in a row, and they weren't even on a real piano. They were on like this. I can't even remember the name of the the keyboard now. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> a Rhodes or something groovy. It was like a <laughs> – it, like it wasn't even a digital-weighted keyboard, and, you know. It was just some kind of weird synthesizer thing. And I played all the songs on it. And, uh, and he sent me a telegram and said, uh, how soon can you get to Jersey? Hmm? And he didn't even remember who I was. He had stacks and stacks of cassettes. And he didn't, I, I wondered about that. And when I got to his house in New Jersey and I saw this bushel basket full of cassette tapes that people send every day, you know, mm-hmm. I said, I said, what made you listen to my, my tape?" And he said, I have no idea. Wow. He said, I never, I never had time to listen to any of them. Something compelled me to just pick this one cassette out of the box, and uh, I put it on. And I just said, wow. See? about a month or so in Jersey with him while he um, was working with the band, Bruce's band, on the the album called The River. And I watched them record most of it. And uh, I was just a kid. And now we're talking a recording studio. (laughs) That was the power station in New York City. You know, we, we drove the car into the building, and an elevator took us up in the car. And I was just wow. like, Wow, this is like a <laughs> spaceship, man And uh <laughs> and you know, it's there were several studios, beautiful studios, you know, so Springsteen was in the one and then uh like Brian Ferry was in one and Deborah Harry was in the other, I think. And I I think uh not Rosanna, it, Connie Carter was in one and so out in the little lobby where we would all you know, chill and get something out of the fridge were all these other people, you know, that I was seeing for the first time. And, uh, it was, you know, it was a mind boggling adventure. But, um, just before I was, they were going to take me to Los Angeles. They said, look, our producer lives in LA. His name is Charlie Plotkin. You know, we want, to, we want you to meet him and see if he could do anything with you or, or help you or introduce you to people or something. And so we gotta go out and play our light man's wedding at the whiskey, I think it was, and uh and so uh we'll take you with us and we'll introduce you to him. And uh they did and Charlie said, Uh yeah, yeah, okay. I'll get you in a little apartment and I've got a great recording studio and we'll you know we'll work on your writing. And we did. He helped me a great deal, but um, just before we were going to leave for L.A., they said, there's this thing we're doing. Um, it's it's a, a really big concert event that is kind of unprecedented. and um, It was being put on by Barney Raitt and Jackson and John Hall, and, uh, or they brainstormed it, and it was called No Nukes. And mm-hmm. Everybody I had ever admired was appearing at this show. You know, uh, Teddy, you know, Shaka Khan, the Doobie Brothers, Crosby, Nash, Jamie Taylor, Carly Simon, uh, Bonnie, Jackson, Bruce, this went on and on.
4: <laughs>
3: and, and I thought like, oh, this is kind of a, you know, a, a freak out dream. And, that was where I met Jackson Brown and, and Bonnie for the first time, all those people at, at the rehearsals and whatnot at Madison Square Garden for that show. And they made a movie of it, too. They were making a movie while they did it. That movie was called No Nukes.
1: What happened to your mother's love? What happened to your daddy's pride? had enough I know they were right by your side
0: song that was covered by Emmylou Harris on her album, that was Jude Johnstone, of course, with Hold On from her 2005 album, On a Good Day. And by the way, the song I played a while ago, Wounded Heart, came from Jude's album Coming of Age, released in 2002. You're listening to Mostly Folk, and as a reminder, if you want a complete playlist of the program today, you can go to mostlyfolk.org, episode number 249, Jude Johnstone, and uh, it'll be there along with some photos and what have you. Now, as I mentioned before, so many artists have covered Jude's songs. So I asked her this question. I find it
2: also amazing in so far as the fact that your music has been recorded by so many people, so many big artists, that residual-wise, you would be getting something back from that.
3: But... No, it's just been too long ago now, Artie. I mean, <laughs> okay. the only song I had that was a hit, you know, a radio song, was 25 years ago with Trisha Yearwood, "Call the Woman Before Me." Now I've written five other songs or so for her they were all album cuts, and they did sell mm. records at the time, but they weren't radio songs. So the only money you keep getting, you know, over the years from BMI is money that you're going to see uh, from a hit that you wrote because the old East Station might still play it or this or that, and that song still does get airplay occasionally. So, yeah, I, my, little bits of money trickle in quarterly, and it's gotten to be, you know, very little. Because it's much you know, very long time ago. Um and I in fact put that song on this new record just because over the years people have said, you know, how come you never put that song on a record? <laughs> like we've never heard you even sing it and uh what? I'd say, you know, man, I don't even remember the chord changes of that. But I finally thought, you know what, a lot a number of people have asked me that or to play it live at a live show and I um uh, I thought you know, I think I'll put down a really bare bones version of it, so people can hear what the song's like when you wrote it. You know, without all the embellishment. You know, that a country record mm-hmm. has. You know, like with the steel and the beautiful players on that record. I mean, you know, Dave Palmer on bass. You know, the, the record that Garth Fundis produced. So I just did it with piano and cello. You know, for just you know, kind of just to underline. You know, this is what this song sounded like the day I wrote it.
1: I can see you turn away When I ask what for You say it isn't anything I'm not so sure Something underneath the skin Won't let you be And you try to keep it in but I can see the woman before me must have been hard on you. Is that hurt in your eyes? I never put you through. Sometimes I think you must be talking to. in an argument
0: From the new album, A Woman's Work, that was the woman before me, as Jude mentioned. Now, Jude and I had a very lengthy conversation, and I couldn't include the entire conversation in this program, but she did talk about the business side of making records today and how artists are making money.
3: Unless the artist is somebody off the charts, like Adele or something. I mean, then the album cut would mean something, you know, <laughs> because you, or Nora Jones, say, or somebody that, you know, has made such a dent that um, they are still selling some records. But um, you can count them on two hands, the people that are still selling any records. And most of the people that do my songs or have done are um, older artists that... Mm-hmm. Are definitely not selling records they'll win the Grammy every year, but they're not selling records. They make a living now touring live. They all do, and mm-hmm. because also ticket prices are very high to see live shows, and people still go out and see them you know Jackson will still just you know sell the place out in half an hour and mm-hmm. uh you know decent stadium you know and so live live music is where it's at for those guys for people like me that are more, much more under the radar as far as live performance, I can't go play like a show that pays any money. You know, I got to just, you know, I can go play the bluebird with my friends and split the door, (laughs) you know, but it's like you can't, I can't make money doing it anymore. So I actually don't know what's going to happen. I'm trying to get placement in TV and film, which Quite lucrative, or mm-hmm. uh, I what I need is someone to to be really working my songs, but I don't have anyone that can do that because they cost mm-hmm. money. You have to pay song pluggers, right? You know, so yeah. it's it, it's kind of a vicious catch twenty two, you know where I'm at right now, and um, but you know I. I, you know, I do it with humor. <laughs> I I just, I thought, you know, I really want to go back to Ireland this year. That uh, over there um, is some of the only places that I seem to be able to play. You know, where um, my sort of American reputation for writing songs for certain people will be able to get me into a, a decent club that plays decent over there. And mm-hmm. so strangely enough, I have to actually just travel to Europe in order to make any money live.
2: That's amazing. That <laughs> is so And it costs amazing. so much
3: to go, you know, it costs so much to, that you have to, you really need two weeks worth of gigs to make a pencil out, you know. And I just went and just did maybe eight shows and it, it's not enough, you know, it wasn't enough.
1: On the road to Rack Friday, and I called out your name. And I wished you were riding beside me. But I knew that I had to be here with the pain, and only my conscience to guide me. Well, it rained all the day till. Turned to snow Just the way that I Love it gone stormy But I had to be strong To Wrath I'll be once again And I'll see all the friends That I've made there
3: I get to play with amazing people over there.
2: Well maybe that's maybe that's the the best thing to do then. Um you know, know, even living wise it might even be better. We don't know what's gonna happen here in this country, so uh, um maybe it'll be an impetus. My
3: Irish friends are just as worried about what just happened over here as we are. And I mean it's you know, it's a global thing. And they were just going, Oh my god, you know, what what God help us all. And yeah. then my Dutch my Dutch friends they said they said, Hey, we got a guy we got a guy that's gonna win in twenty seventeen and a lot like the guy that just won in your country. Hmm. They said, so we're in, you know, deep duty as well. Because I said, Maybe I'll move over here to Holland and they said, I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, maybe yeah.
3: maybe you should think twice Let's wait and see if this guy gets elected You might want to go uh, You know, to Iceland instead <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hear that it's You know, that's a really safe place to go
1: People holding hands Make me feel blue Everywhere I go Make me think of me and you On every little corner of this sleepy little town People holding hands are dragging me down And this whole online dating thing has just got to stop I'm just sitting here waiting Spinning like a top On every little corner Of every little town People holding hands You know they're dragging me down I know you're out there somewhere On another high. Some online girl Maybe you're both on your bikes You can't believe All the things in my head Well I really should be going But I'm stuck here instead People holding hands In the middle of the day Up the sidewalk, always standing in my way, and I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get through this little town. People holding hands are dragging me down. Go make me think of me and you On every little corner Of every little town People holding hands Are dragging me down Mmm, you know it's true, baby People holding hands a dragon me down
0: From her new album, A Woman's Work, that was Jude Johnstone with People Holding Hands.
2: Uh, Let's talk about this album and some of the music that's on the album. And, And I'll start it off with the opening track, Never Leave Amsterdam. What's the story behind that song?
3: Well, You know, I've been going over there for four or five years now since I started going to Ireland, Holland, Germany, Sweden, um, you know, Belgium. I fell in love with both Ireland and Holland right away. I mean, I had never been away, you know, so far and um, they're magnificent places. You know, and, uh, Amsterdam happened because I met somebody while I was there that, uh, wow. that I was very interested in and who was very interested in me but were, uh, was not a situation that was doable. Mm-hmm. You know, other people were involved. And so, uh, but I kept that person in my head. And, uh, and then I had a little friend that was watching my house while I was gone during one trip. And, uh, he's a very, very close friend Just a dear, dear young man And also a singer-songwriter And we had just become Fast friends Back in Cambria, California Where I lived And um, and so he's in the song too And I thought to myself This is going to sound really confusing <laughs> But no one seems to find that it is So, just, you know I have someone at home waiting for me You know, it's not It wasn't a boyfriend thing But it was a yeah, you know, very very tight relationship, and um, so I um, so the song is really written for the the friend that I met that I that I couldn't hang out with anymore. You know mm. what I mean? Okay. And uh, and it's got a lot of meaning for me. Still does.
1: Yeah. still does. If I had my way. I'd never leave Amsterdam, baby, I would stay And try and find out who I am But it's no use Cause we know there's no way to stand In these shoes God's got another plan There's a boy waiting for me back at home, baby, he's my your name on the sand grateful knowing the heart within me that you held in your hand will never leave amsterdam If I had my way I'd never leave Amsterdam Baby, come what may but That's not the kind of girl I am So although I know You gotta let loose of your hand Even as I go
0: You're listening to Power Folk here on Blues and Roots Radio. I'm Audie Martello, and I'm speaking with Jude Johnstone. And Jude, who just recorded a new album, A Woman's Work, spoke about the sound she was trying to achieve.
3: I write on all kinds of topics. You know, in um, Chatter, I had that big band song, You Know uh, What a Fool stuff that you just want to have some fun with, you know? <laughs> um, but this particular record was going to be more this way, and it's just <laughs> because of this particular time in my life, you know? When I, and I thought, you know, you're always, you're always weighing things. When you're doing a record, you're always kind of like, well, I'll do this one here, and then maybe, well, I'd probably need uh, one of the more tempo ones here after that. And, and this record, I just went, you know... It's not like people buy my records anyway. So why don't I just do exactly what I feel right now? And I just decided to go in unapologetically and record the record in two days and just record what was on my mind, you know, the songs that were up in my face at the time. And that's what I did. And what happened was it did make... Maybe the most intimate record I've ever made, and and because we recorded the basics live, uh, piano, cello, drums, and upright bass. There's two songs in the record I had recorded previously that I wanted on this record, and then the rest of the songs we record we cut live in in that first day, and then on the second day I I added harp or viol, you know I I added some elements. Um, when Hamilton, my Irish friend on trumpet, he of course mailed me that part, you know, back and Mm -hmm. because we can do that sort of thing. Um, but the, but the basics for it were, were recorded live in the studio. So, um, my engineer who has worked with me for years has just been getting better and better just like we do. And, I just never got, we had never achieved the piano vocal sound that we achieved on this record. And that's due to him and his, uh, you know, his knowledge and, uh, experience. And we noticed it immediately. We heard it back. And he has a new, a newer piano in the studio that was a killer for recording. Mm-hmm. So we were all being affected by the, this this intimacy that was achieved that not only emotionally but technically and so it sounds much more like like i'm in the room with you and i i'm really pleased with that sound
1: Say how good it's been To have you
2: Might be a good time to mention that Jude's website is judejohnstone.com, and anybody that's listening, if you uh, go to Jude's website, like many of the websites, there's tons of information about Jude, uh, quotes from uh, people about Jude's music. Rodney Crowell commented on your last album, Shatter, he said, on her new LP, Shatter, Jude Johnstone examines heartbreak and loss with such tender resignation that I wept in acknowledgement of its artful simplicity. A lesson in melodic grace. Delivered by as fine a songwriter as any I know, uh, and that's pretty—that's a pretty darn good uh, compliment coming from somebody like Rodney Crowell.
1: I've been here before, bent to the sky, too scared to run, too weak to fly. with no Come on.
3: about the metaphorical work that a woman does.
2: Right.
3: Obviously. Okay. But um not not to disclude, you know, the uh, the incredible amount of work that women do often at home while the husband is working, you know, and uh raising children and having children and everything else. I really meant for it to encompass the whole gamut of you know, the, the whole range of things, but mainly the emotional anxiety that that women sometimes hold for so long, um, you know, in fear of, of speaking their minds, you know, due to the society we've grown up in. And it's a much simpler song than it sounds like by my description, but I just thought I, I wanted it to sound like this sort of music box of of the you know, the round and round and round we go, kind of a feeling to it. And um, and it was at a time that the whole record, most of the songs are at a time that I was going through a divorce after 28 years of marriage. And there was so much emotion wrapped around that, that, you know, I do know, there are a few times I'm, uh, and particularly in women's work, where that's what I'm referring to, when I'm mm-hmm. saying that's how I lived my life with you. I did too much, is what the song is saying. And, you know, I got caught up in that merry-go-round, and I, I took on too much responsibility, and it hurt me. And um, not, not to say that, you know, the other side of the relationship is one mm-hmm. painful too, I'm sure. But, mm-hmm. but, I mean, you know, my perspective is my perspective on the feminine, you know, the, the, the feminine point of view.
1: A woman's work is never done Not even when she's all alone After such a long, long time out of sight and out of mind A woman's work is never through the town She trained her moment in the sun to suit.
2: Recorded your music. You've opened for Bonnie. Who else have you opened for?
3: I've opened for Jackson. And who else? I've opened for Richard Thompson um, over the years. Gosh or at a handful. Well, see, uh,
2: Lou, I guess I for Amy Lou. Uh, you have oh my God. This is why I find you to be sort of, I guess, I, what would you say, an elder statesman? Who, <laughs> who, who, that would be who, a, who, actually very, very kind. No, but it's the it. truth. Uh, you know, who knows the business. And I talk to so many young artists and I always ask them, what do you have to fall back on in case? Because Let's face it. Many of the artists today that are making music need another, uh, need something else to for employment sure. to make a living, and you know I've had isn't... to do uh,
3: things like think of everything I could think of. Like, okay, I'll do a songwriting workshop. Okay, I'll try this. But you know, you it takes up so much time. You have to advertise these things. You have to have friends that know how to make the poster for you online. You have to get you know what I mean? It's like everything requires an entire day of just sitting yeah. at your computer, basically, which is yeah. so not what we do. It's so not what I'm up to. And yet right. and I'm, I'm a I'm an avid originally. i am mean, I just you know, I have to get people to you know, I have to ask my friends that are savvy about these things to come over you know, taking their own time and say, can you just come over for like an hour and help me figure out how to do this website? It's very hard to ask for help. It's it's hard to ask people to take time to come just help you because you're a buddy.
2: Uh, yeah. What can I say? But how, what do you think about uh, where music is going? Uh, from your own viewpoint, Where do, where do you think... What do you think the future of music is? You, you mentioned how hard it is uh, that they need something to, you know, a big pop hit or or something like that. But uh, what do you see? And so, what, well, let's say, put it this way: What kind of advice would you give to uh, a young artist that is dedicating their life to music?
3: If they're dedicating their lives to being a singer-songwriter, then my advice is go play live, play live so people yeah. will hear you. So there will be people that will hear you, um, you know, because a lot of kids ask me, they go like, so how, how do I, that are coming through Nashville or something, so how do I get a publishing deal? You know, like, and I just go "Oh man, <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are no publishing deals, kiddo. Like you could get a publishing deal, like if, you, you can get in some place unsolicited, which is highly unlikely, then, you know, if they go, wow, you're really okay, kid, um, you know, come with us. The kind of money that they'll pay you, it's just like, it would be like a quarter of what I was used to making as in a salary, publishing salary, and and uh, they'll just sit you in a room every single day on, on Music Row with like three other writers. That they want you to work with. You know, it's like a, you know what I'm saying? It's like a cattle herding. It's not, there's no love in it at all. And, I know. so that, that's the strictly commerce way of doing it. And I don't, you know, good luck with that. I have no interest in that. And, um, but, but, you know, if that's what you're looking to do, I don't know how else you do it. You come here, you play live, and then you meet the people that have deals like that. And then you get them to introduce you to their the publisher, mm-hmm. and if if they think you're good enough, so you know you you probably go about it something like that. But it all comes from I think from you have to network like you do in almost anything these days. You you got to mm-hmm. start networking with you know if you get moved to Nashville, which is where I would move if I were you. You know if this is what you want to do, then. You gotta get out and shake hands and get serious. And uh I, you know, I've had a lot of trouble doing that since I got here. I'm too reclusive and you know, I don't I don't I I don't like that whole smooth thing. And um I I'm a very sociable person. I love people. But I don't like that side of it. You know, you're
2: like you know, like you're like me.
3: Pressing yourself all over other people. You know, I want, you know, if I run into somebody and they tell me, you know, they're doing the next so-and-so record, I'll say, oh, wow, I, I might have a song for that. That's about as, you know, self-promoting as I get.
1: I'm a quiet girl now, standing in the rain. Got a head full of sorrow that I can't show me where to run. Maybe I'll find my way tomorrow. But today, I can barely see the sun. I guess I'm stuck between a Between a rock and a hard place place. Won't somebody please, please, please please Turn me in the water I took my chances on a daydream Between a rock and a hard place One is just a little harder than the other Yes, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place Queen of
2: so many different things or, or seemingly successful that um it amazes me that you're not as big a name as you well, should you be. know
3: it's a simple you know there's a simple answer to that question and that's just that uh I have never had a, a man, you know uh, even in small record uh deal um with any kind of machinery behind it. We just made up our own little label, but we did not have money to put behind promoting anything.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, in other words, it's, it really is in-name only, so to speak, and mm-hmm. uh, a way for us, an avenue for us to put out my record. And and what it served, the purpose it served more than any other, was just getting my songs, you know, having a CD I could just hand to any group. You know, mm-hmm. cause here's the whole damn thing. There's a few. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. her should pull a song off that, record it, you know. Um but you know it's more of a calling card.
1: All your comrades are here as the church bells they ring, and the snow is still melting, though it's nearly spring and the sky up above. Red wings as they welcome you in the hereafter. Though our hearts are too heavy to find comfort yet, and there are no words written to help us forget, we hold on.
2: about uh, I'm sure you do about all of them but uh, I do
3: yes if you had to pick um,
2: out any of that
3: well I think the best I think the best song I've ever written is the last cut on this record called Before You and mm-hmm. I think that if anything uh, will will save the farm uh, it's going to be that one and I say that because I mean that it's it's such a universal and coverable song it's in the, my best genre which is torch but it's not sad it's a love song like a valentine yeah and that combination i think will attract some of the singers i've always wanted you know uh to the song so and hopefully it's the kind of song that i believe as a as a writer an experienced writer that um, is what we call the big copyright. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I just I think it will have great longevity long after me. And I, you know, I have high hopes for it. I'd love to get well, in I a film so. with somebody like Tony Bennett singing it. You know what I mean? Oh There's my God, any, yeah. any number of possibilities. But, but any of those artists in that genre particularly, uh, or, or Adele for that matter. Um, but, A very powerful singer, someone with great magnitude needs to do that song. Great presence, Mm -hmm. like a Tony Bennett.
1: What did I do before you? What did I have to say? What did I dream without you? How did I spend each day? What did I know about love? How did I write a song? What did I do before you, before you came along? What did I feel that mattered? How did I find my way? Was the sky just gray? Tell me I don't remember If I was lost or found What did I do before you? Before you were around Do you go
4: on
1: forever? Or does it just feel that way? There's so much to say. What did I do before you? So far along the way, yeah. without my friend to talk to. Did I end each day? What did I know about love? Whether it's right or wrong, what did I do?
0: From her new album, A Woman's Work, check out Jude Johnstone at judejohnstone.com. I want to thank Jude for joining me today, and I want to thank you for listening. This is Audie Martello, hoping to see you next time for another episode of Mostly Folk.